gracious God and Father of us all, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. I'm blessed with a two-year-old grandson. His name is William. And if you are within eyeshot of William and he knows you're nearby, he is likely to take some blocks and start building a tower in front of you. Or if he knows that you're nearby, he may start spinning around as fast as he can, as long as he can, until he loses his balance and falls down. If he knows that you're nearby, he may climb on his swing and slide down, making sure that you notice. Now, what do you suppose William is trying to say in so many words? He's saying, watch me, look at me. Children are that way. And let me ask you this, do you and I ever outgrow that? For children, it may be, watch me. For adults, it's, notice me. All of us want validation. All of us want to be noticed, affirmed in some way. And God made us that way. We are social creatures. We need attention. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is, and we cross a line when we do our acts of piety toward God in order to be seen by men, in order to gain attention from men in this supposed service toward God. That's the problem Jesus identifies in our gospel reading for this evening. All of us have a need for attention, but the wrong kind of attention draws down not the approval of God, but the wrath of God. And that's why Roman number one in your worship bulletin the insert. Roman number one, your righteousness, that is your acts of piety, your good works, whether it's prayer or almsgiving, whatever it may be, your righteousness can be harmful to you. Your own righteousness can be harmful to you when A, you do it to be noticed by others. When you do it to be noticed by others. And the Greek phrase there, uh, theothenai autois, simply means to be seen by them, to be theater for them. And point B, in this way, you become a performer. The Greek word there is hypocrites. We get our word hypocrite from that. And you become a performer 
when your desire for men's approval overrules your desire for God's approval, and one will always overrule the other. Prayer is a good work, but it becomes evil when we do it to show others how good we are. I knew a man who wanted to go into theater work. His father did not want him to. His father deliberately steered him toward a different career path. But the theater was just in him. And eventually he ended up in theater work. Now you and I don't intend that. But the truth is, we're performers too. We're in theater work. Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. In a very real sense, in a spiritual sense, it's all too true. That's why the prophet Isaiah wrote, all of us have become like one who's unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags in God's sight. Why? Because we do them to enhance ourselves. We do them to enhance ourselves. I cite some quotes, Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that pride or vainglory is the source of all sin without exception. All sin arises from the desire to elevate oneself. It's all about self-elevation, self-promotion. It all is. Even if I'm seeking pleasure, I, I, I desire my pleasure. I, I'm elevating my own perceived needs above your interest. And Luther, I think, said it very well. Our righteousness is more dangerous than our sin. Because we all know how terrible sin is. We don't need any convincing about that. But our righteousness, our righteousness slithers under the doorway, raising its head and becoming a source of pride, which is the mother of all other sins. And this is why Christian people, forgiven people, Above all others, we need to be on our guard because we are subject to the vilest, most serious sin of all because of our position as people of God, people of prayer, people who give of our time and ourselves, our, our energy. All these things God works through us, they become a source of pride within us and we stumble. Roman numeral two, we were made to notice and to be noticed by God. We're made in God's image. We bear a resemblance to God. We have an affinity for Him. We want to relate to Him. And I, I've always believed that every craving, every desire we have 
Underneath it all is a desire to know God and to be known by Him. And we substitute so many other things for God Himself, and that's what we call idolatry. But we have an affinity for God. We want to be noticed by Him. Underneath it all, that's what's going on. Point A, he's become our true father and we his adopted children. We talked about this on Sunday. When the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. As we said on Sunday, God sent his unique, his one and only son into the world in order to create sons all over the world. And when I say sons, again, I'm not being sexist. Girls could not inherit in the ancient world. I'm not saying that's right, it's just the way it was. Sons could inherit. And so spiritually speaking, you're all sons, you're all inheritors of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And in Christ there is neither male nor female. But for purposes of inheritance, St. Paul and others speak in the language of his day, language that would be understood by the people, and we make it known to you that you're all sons of God, inheritors of God through faith in him, the one and only begotten son. And point B is our true father. He notes what we do in secret. He notes what we do. He notices. Now, when you note something, you record it. You jot it down so you won't forget. It's a record. My daughter Anna has, um, I guess, what's probably a digital scrapbook. I think most mothers these days do have digital scrapbooks. They post on Facebook and other places what the kid's doing now, you know. And so uh, I know what Samuel's doing. I know how much he weighs. I know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And all this stuff is recorded. You see, and, and for you and me, it's no different because God himself makes notes of all these things he accomplishes through us, these good works that we do by his power at his bidding, his prompting, his enablement. And it's all remembered. And he takes notice of it. I like the way John puts it in his Revelation chapter 20 on that day of judgment. The books are open. And everything we've done is recited. And as forgiven people, our sins are never mentioned. They've been taken away. They've been wiped from the memory of God. But everything that he has accomplished through us, those acts of piety, they are remembered. In spite of the weakness that accompanies them, that weakness within us, they're remembered and they're rewarded by grace. Point C, the desire to be noticed by God. What is it but faith? It's a good definition of faith, the desire to be noticed by God. On the other hand, the desire to be noticed by others, by men, is unbelief. It is unbelief in God's ability to notice you.
Roman numeral three. Our Father's rewards are rewards of grace. They are rewards of grace. They're not the result of merit. I cite point A, they are not earned payments. They're not earned payments, but they're freely given by God. In Luke 17, when Jesus talks about our service toward God, and, and this is what he says, after you have done everything commanded of you, and who of us does that? None of us. But he says, after you've done everything commanded of you, say this of yourselves, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Even if you could do everything God's commanded of you, God does not owe you. He's not obligated to you. Because you've only done what he created you and empowered you to do. As St. Paul wrote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. God is under no obligation to give anything at all. Because when we've done something well, we've only done a little bit of what we're supposed to have been doing all the time. And yet, God rewards it by grace. And point B, his rewards far exceed whatever service is rendered. That proves it's gracious. It's not earned. Matthew 19, uh, Jesus says, whoever has left lands and fields and parents and children and brothers and sisters, on and on, whoever has left all of these things will in the life to come receive a hundredfold and in addition everlasting life. See, God's rewards far exceed our deserts. It's grace. That's the way God operates toward you and me. It's grace. In Matthew 25, parable of the talents, he says to the servant, he said, you've been faithful in a little bit. He says, I will set you over much. You see, that's God. That's the way he is to you and to me. To all the unworthy, a loving Father who lavishes his gifts upon his own. You know, it says something about you and me that even our righteousness can be toxic to us. Even our acts of piety can be harmful to us. It says something about us. But it says something more about God, that the true righteousness, that righteousness which heals, that righteousness which restores and delivers and saves, does not arise from within us, but it arises from within the heart of God himself. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the righteousness that counts. That's the righteousness that saves. That's the righteousness that is yours through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the confidence in which you will stand before him on that day. 
forgiven, grateful, and honored to be in his presence because he has elevated you as a child and he has given you far more than you and or I could ever deserve or imagine. That's God. That's our Father. And you are his child. By grace alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.